Is there a desire in you to not just attend revival, but live in revival? Welcome to the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Saldivar. I've been in revival for the last 10 years, as well as traveling and being a part of many revivals throughout the United States. I'm going to be sharing with you how to live a radical lifestyle of revival on a daily basis. And all that good stuff, we're on episode 160 of Monday's teaching, 160 guys. I cannot believe we've been doing this for 160 episodes on Monday teaching. We were on Friday, now we're on Monday. We do our Monday teachings, our Tuesday podcast, and then I'm trying to go live every Friday at noon as well. We're doing three times a week live, different lives. We just did one on Saturday, a cooking stream, which was fun. If you didn't see the cooking stream, it's on the YouTube channel. For some of you are like, wow, Isaiah, you definitely can't cook. That was my first time ever cooking. So I'm, you know, not the guy that cooks or anything like that, but that was a fun, funny stream. I tried to be funny and entertaining, and I tried to act a little bit ignorant and dumb to cooking because if not, it wouldn't have been funny. And I wanted to entertain you guys and make you guys laugh. So if you didn't check out the stream, go check it out. Maybe it's not the stream for you. Today we're preaching and I'm sticking to preaching. I'm not going to go full-time chef or anything like that. As you guys know, I'm sticking to what God has called me to do. We are live today at noon for those of you in the chat asking because the Domino Revival is going to be playing tonight in theaters, and I'm going to be at the Manteca Theater at 7 o'clock. That is AMC 16 Manteca, California. There's probably 10 or 15 seats left. If you want to meet me in California, I will be at AMC 16 in Manteca, zip code 95337. I also have a new mic, so let me know how that's sounding as we go. Hopefully, it sounds better than last week. I've had a broken sound uh, interface for a couple weeks now and barely realized it. The videos have been sounding terrible, but here we are. We will be in Texas this weekend, Saturday. I'm preaching in Texas, and that event is now sold out. We had 8,000 seats. The event is free, but you had to register, and that's now sold out. And I know they're still going to let some people in. This is my advice to you. If you're flying in, don't plan to come if you're not registered and have a ticket. If you're driving in locally and you don't have a ticket, I would still come to see if they'll let you in. But I wouldn't fly in or drive far if you don't have a registration ticket and you haven't registered, even though the registration is free, the event is full. So that's for Texas. That's going to be in Irving this week. And I don't want to talk too much about it because, yeah, like I said, the event is full. Let me know in the comments where you're watching from. As always, we are crowd supported. So you guys can support us in the links down below. That helps us out tremendously. What else am I forgetting? Oh, tomorrow we'll be live at six o'clock with a prayer stream. Me and Jared are going to be doing a prayer stream together. And then, of course, at the end, we'll be making jokes, laughing together and all that fun stuff with Nico in the back laughing. But we're going to be focusing on talking about prayer for probably 20 to 30 minutes and then praying. So get your family together tomorrow at 6 o'clock. We are going to be praying. It's going to be a powerful time. Do not miss that tomorrow at 6 o'clock. This is going to be supernatural training today. This is going to be spiritual warfare training. As we went into this last week, we talked about signs that you have a demon. Today, I want to give you 10 mistakes that deliverance ministry ma- ministries make and 10 mistakes that you want to avoid if you're getting involved in deliverance ministry. Let me also make sure here really fast that I've shared this on Facebook. I think I'm going to be stopping my Facebook lives soon because my reach is so restricted that it's just almost pointless, but I'll let you guys know when I make that announcement. Likely though, if you're not on Facebook, get to YouTube because likely I won't be going live on Facebook anymore just because I'm frustrated with them restricting my account. So why am I going to give them content if they keep my account restricted? Okay. One of the things I was thinking about before the live is that the power of the fact that God is everywhere, that tonight as we're praying or this afternoon as we're praying, our God that we're talking about is not bound by time or space or place, but God's power, God's anointing can show up in this broadcast. So I want you to believe for God to anoint you, for God to touch you, for God to break into your life right now where you are. You can get healed right now. 
You can get set free right now. You can get set on fire right now. You can get breakthrough right now. Something can change in the spiritual realm right where you're at. You don't have to be in a certain room. God is no longer bound to space or place or building. You can be in your car. You can be in your living room. You can be at work. You can be cooking lunch for your kids. You can be in an Uber right now with AirPods in and the Holy Spirit can invade, invade where you are and can touch you right in that place. So I wanna have that expectation that God can move. I wanna have that expectation of an encounter today with God. So yes, we're talking about deliverance ministry and we're doing boot camp spiritual warfare training, but I'm excited about what God is doing on social media in this hour. That God is anointing people, touching people, releasing his power on people, lives are being changed, people are being born again. I mean, if you imagine telling Paul that from a phone or a camera, you could reach all of these people. And that's what I'm believing for, a touch of God. I don't, I don't just wanna be an information podcast. I don't just wanna be an information ministry. I don't just wanna be an information teaching ministry. I want there to be revelation, demonstration, encounter, and I want the Holy Spirit to touch people. So I'm just saying today, Lord, do whatever you wanna do. Touch your people, God, in any way that you wanna touch them. Anoint them in any way that you wanna anoint them. Lord, speak through me today. I'm praying that my words would be the words of God, that God's word would speak through me like 2 Corinthians 5 says, as if God himself were pleading through us, calling people back to himself. So I want you guys to be taking notes. How many of you know good disciples take notes? Make sure that you're taking notes as well. I think a lot of Christians don't understand, and I'm just gonna put on, I guess, I, should I do slides today or points? I'll do, I'll do uh, slides so you guys can uh, kind of follow along. It, it might just make it a little bit easier for you guys if I have... The points. Let me know if you guys want the points down below on the screen, and I'll make sure I pop up each point so you guys can write them down. That'll make it easier. I think most Christians don't realize the true power that God has given them, the true authority that we have in Christ. Jesus has conferred his authority upon us, and I think a lot of Christians are constantly afraid of being attached by a witch or being attacked by a warlock or being attached to some spirit or to some spiritual spouse or some incubus or succubus, but don't realize that there is power in Jesus' name, that Satan might be attacking people, he might be out doing this or doing that, but we've been given the power of Christ. We've been given the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You have Christ living in you. Like what demon can stop you? What witch can stop the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit? What devil can stop what God is doing in your life today? What demonic influence can stop the move of God? I want you to know that you are unstoppable. No matter what the devil's trying to do, I'm not even going into deliverance mistakes yet. I'll put them on screen when I go into them. But I want you to realize as you're going into deliverance ministry, as you're walking and casting out demons, as you're doing what Jesus told the disciples to do, and you are his disciple, that you are unstoppable. The devil is gonna try to stop you. Demons are gonna try to stop you. You're gonna get thoughts. You're gonna get voices, attacks at night. People, religious people, Christians are gonna try to stop you. Many of you don't realize more than even demons trying to stop deliverance, because really they can't, other Christians are going to try to stop you. Pastors and religious believers and Pharisees are going to try to stop you from doing deliverance. You have to get resolve in your spirit that I am unstoppable. I know the commission God has given me. I know the power that God has given me. And so I'm not going to allow a religious voice or a religious spirit to stop me from doing what God has called me to do. Don't let the world tell you something contrary to what the Bible's already spoke to you. The Bible's already said you're more than a conqueror. The same spirit that raised Christ 
Hey, Pastor Mike, love you, bro. Guys, make sure you go see the movie tonight. The same spirit that raised Christ is now inside of you. So you need to be more convinced what Jesus said about you than what demons are gonna say about you. You need to be more convinced in the power of God than you are the power that Satan has. I know it's easy to see Satan's power in the world, but you need to be more convinced the power in you is greater than the power that is in the world. I don't understand this. We always doubt God, but we never doubt Satan. Everybody believes in Satan. Everybody sees Satan on display, on television, entertainment. When have you ever doubted the power of the devil? Yet here we are doubting God. God, I don't know if you're real. God, I don't know if you have a plan for me. God, I don't know if you're gonna show up. God, I don't know if I can do this. God, I don't know if you've anointed me. Yet we never doubt the enemy. We always believe the devil's real, but we're constantly doubting God. It's time to stop doubting God. And remind and remember, Satan is limited. Satan is on a leash. Satan only takes what you give him access to. Satan only controls the areas and the um, open doors that you give him to control your life. He has no power outside of the power that you've given him. That's why Ephesians 4.27 says, do not give place to the devil. Some of you are giving the devil a place to live, a place to stay. And today, I keep wanting to say tonight, I'm used to going live at six, but it's noon. Thank you for being here. I thought that was only gonna be 100 people. Praise the Lord. But today, we are evicting Satan. You need to let those spirits know, you can't stay in my body. You can't remain in my mind. You can't remain in my, in, in my soul. You must go. Get out of my emotions. Get out of my mind. I'm not giving you place. If there's a relationship, don't give place to the devil. If there's an item you have that gives place to the devil, get rid of it. If there's a hobby you have that's giving the devil the room, anything that you have that's giving the devil a place, remove it. Bible says give no place for darkness or the devil. We've overcome him by the power of the cross. So Satan, there's no room for you here. There's no place for you here. I'm full of God. My body is not my own. My body and eyes are full of light. Luke chapter nine, verse one says, Jesus called the 12 disciples together and gave them power. Look at this and authority to drive out all demons. The Bible doesn't say some demons. The Bible says all demons. So you've been given the power and authority over every demon. And then it says this in Luke chapter nine, verse one, and to cure diseases. Then he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Now, some would say, well, that was only for the early disciples, even though we know that he gave the 72 in Luke chapter 10, the same power. We're gonna see this. But guys, you have to realize this is for us today. There's nowhere in the Bible where God revoked this power and authority. There's nowhere in the Bible where God said, we don't need to cast out demons anymore. We don't need to heal the sick anymore. The power that he gave them, he has also given us. We know this because in the book of Acts, people who were not apostles healed the sick and cast out demons. Don't believe the religious lie that this is not for today. Don't believe the religious lie that you can't do this. Look at what John 14, 12 says. Whoever believes in me will do the works I've done and even greater because I am going to the Father. So the issue is not that God is not doing these things. The issue is not God. The issue is us. It's our belief. We simply don't believe. Why? John 14, 12. Whoever believes in me will do this, the works I have been doing and even greater. So forget about the argument of the greater the same works that Jesus said he's done, you will even do. And we know Mark 16 echoes the same thing when it says, these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they shall 
drive out demons. So you've been given power and authority. Thank you in the chat saying I love your teaching. I appreciate you guys. I'm reading the chat, guys, as I'm preaching. I'm also reading the chat of it right in front of my face here. So these signs are going to follow you. So we're not following the signs. We're not chasing after the signs. We're chasing after Christ. And these signs shall follow them that believe. Pride will not let you acknowledge that you have unbelief. Pride will not let you acknowledge you're in the wrong by not doing these things. Pride will not let you acknowledge you need freedom. Pride will let you years and years preach a partial gospel. But you have to realize the Bible makes it clear that if you believe in him, you'll do the work. So don't get mad at us. Don't say, oh, these charismatics just real. Just say, maybe I just don't believe. Maybe I just don't believe the, Bi the way the Bible says. Because I have to choose, do I believe religious people on YouTube that say this isn't for today? Do I believe pastors and leaders that say this isn't for today? Or do I believe the letters in red? Do I believe Jesus who says this is for today? I have to acknowledge that. What you're going to notice about Jesus is he didn't just preach about the kingdom. He demonstrated the kingdom. So God wants you to demonstrate his kingdom. We call ourselves Christians, but we don't do the things that Christ did or said we should do. So if we're calling ourselves Christians, we should do what Christ did. And this is what John 20, 21 says. Jesus said, peace be with you. Look at this. As the father has sent me, I am now sending you. This is at the end of the book of John. Jesus is saying this. As the father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they're forgiven. If you don't forgive, they're not forgiven. So Jesus is saying, in the same way the father sent me to the world to bring healing, First John, we know, says, for this reason, the Son of Man was made manifest to destroy the works of darkness. In the same way, the Father sent me to bring healing, wholeness, deliverance, and breakthrough. Now, I am also sending you. So you've been sent by Jesus. Chat, somebody needs to catch us tonight, today. You've been enlisted by Jesus to do the works that he's called you to do. You've been given power. You've been given authority. You've been given a calling. You've been given anointing. Look at what Ephesians 1.19. I want everyone to write Ephesians 1.19 in the chat. It says, I also pray that you'll understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else not only in this world, but also in the world to come. So that same mighty power that's like above every principality, ruler, king, kingdom in this age or the age to come is inside of you. That same power is in you. You've been given that power. Jesus has given you that power. Ephesians chapter two, verse six says, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So we've been given with Christ a place of power and authority. So we're not afraid of demons. We're not afraid of deliverance. We're not afraid of praying for the sick. Power that God has given you is unbelievable. You've been united with Christ in heavenly places. Romans 8, 11. This is the Bible here. I don't want to tell you if you're mad about this. Go, go find someone else to watch if you don't like this. Romans 8, 11. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. I know we're always looking like, where's the Holy Spirit showing up at? 
But look at what it says here in Romans. Romans 1, 1, uh, 8, 11 lives in you. And I'm trying to talk slow, guys, but I get excited when I preach about this. I get excited when I talk about freedom and the power of the Holy Spirit. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same spirit living within you. So in the same way God raised Jesus from the dead, he's also going to give life to our mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. So we have the authority Jesus gave us. We have the spirit of God living in us. We are seated in heavenly places with places with Christ far above. Am I preaching chat far above every power and principality? And you're telling me a, a witch is going to stop you. You're telling me some weak demons going to stop you. You're telling me you can't help those people around you. Friend, you have the power of the Holy Spirit. You have the anointing of the Holy Spirit living in you, inside of you. So shake off the laziness. Shake off the apathy and complacency and the religiosity and go, I can do this. I got the power of God. I got the anointing of the Holy Spirit. What is stopping us? Like, I don't understand what is stopping us from walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. You can do it. The devil is a liar. You can walk this thing out. So we, we have to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Is there mistakes we can make? Yes. This is what I want to talk to you about. I'm going to give you 10 mistakes we can make when casting out demons. Because we're called, we know now, we have the authority over demons. I've established that. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. I've established that. We have Christ living in us. We have the same spirit that raised Christ living in us. We've been seated in heavenly places with Christ. So now we are called to walk this thing out. So let us look at what are some pitfalls in deliverance ministry when it comes to casting out demons, okay? And I'm gonna give you 10 that I've seen practical steps or mistakes in this ministry that I want you to avoid. Number one is I want you to avoid... This is a big mistake we often make, sticking to one method. Oftentimes, we will do a method a certain way or cast out demons a certain way. And remember, no two deliverances are the same. Oftentimes, deliverance is like a puzzle trying to solve the reason why the demon's not leaving. Now, when I talk about deliverance, I'm talking about exorcism. I'm talking about casting out demons. I am not talking about praying a prayer where you say, oh, Jesus, I pray that you'd all the demons would come off of them. And that's it. I'm not talking about a five minute. I want to be clear. I'm talking about sitting down with somebody and praying for them to have every demon leave them, commanding demons to leave, staying with them until they get free, taking your authority in Christ. I'm not talking about two, three minutes. Anyone that does legitimate deliverance knows that it usually takes longer than two to three minutes. Now, I know some of you say, well, Jesus instantly cast out every demon. Number one, that's not true. And I'm going to show you that later. Number two, you're not Jesus. You're not Jesus. I know that's like, whoa, big news. You are Christ's ambassador. That's what 2 Corinthians 5 says. You're Christ's ambassador, but you're not Christ. Okay? I hope you know that. You're not literally Christ. You're his student. You're his ambassador, and he's living in you. So some of you out here are like pastors that, by the way, don't do deliverance. Say it should be instant and quick. Number one, you don't even do deliverance. So how are you telling us how to do it? Number two, you're not Jesus. Number three, if you actually did deliverance, you would know it's not that quick. We're in a wrestling match. We're wrestling. There's a, a demon, even Jesus said, come out and it didn't come out. And then Jesus said, what is your name? So some of these take time. 
And what you want to do, write this down, is follow the Holy Spirit. When you're casting out demons, you want to follow the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is your guide. He will give you new strategies, different strategies, and teach you how to deal with the demon. He might show you how demonized the person is, and this could determine how long the deliverance takes, how strong the demon is, what the setting of the deliverance is. Is it at the altar? Is it, you know, in a church foyer? Someone just starts manifesting. Are you at your house? Have you met with them somewhere? All of these will depend on where the Holy Spirit type of leading he gives you on, to, on doing deliverance. There's no one set strategy. So that's why we're learning and we're understanding. I talked to a guy that's done over 50,000 deliverances. And he said every single day, he does deliverance nine to five every day, he's done over 50,000. And he says, every single day I'm learning new stuff. So this is not one where we just stick to one method. No one has a perfect method. Our goal is to get the demons out. That's the goal of deliverance. Get the demons out. So don't be sticking to one method or one strategy. As you grow, you're going to find different strategies. You're going to find new methods. I'll change my method depending on the demon, the person, the setting. You don't just want to stick to one thing and be stuck on that. You know, some people hear me and do exactly what I say to do. And some people will use another person's strategy. The goal is get the demon out. I've done deliverances where the demon was extremely stubborn and I re remembered another person's strategy. And I said, let me try their strategy. They do it a different way than me. And just because their way is different doesn't mean it's wrong. I want you to get that. Just because somebody else has a different method of casting out demons doesn't mean it's wrong because it's not your method. So some spirits require different strategies. If you are dealing with an extremely stubborn demon, you might need to ask the demon its name. Sometimes you don't need to ask the demon its name. Sometimes I usually won't start with, what is your name? I will start with, come out in Jesus' name, and I will put pressure on the demon and try to get it out without talking to it. But if the demon's extremely stubborn and won't leave, you might need to ask the demon what its name is. You might need to have the person renounce a certain thing. If there's a stronghold still there, you might need to have the person vocally say, I don't want you here. So I have videos where I give seven steps on how to do deliverance, but these are not set methods. These are guidelines. Ultimately, let the Holy Spirit be your guide. Let the Holy Spirit determine the direction of the deliverance. Deliverance, again, is like a puzzle. There's no right way to solve a puzzle. The, the, the issue is, did the puzzle get solved? So there's not like a strategy or a right way to do puzzles. It's just, let's get this thing solved. So we want to make sure also, this is very important, and I want to talk about this for two or three minutes, okay? Don't get methods from people that don't do deliverance. Let me say that again. Don't listen to people's methods who don't do deliverance. I know there are some, I'm not going to shoot shots here, very popular YouTubers that do a lot of deliverance teaching, yet they don't practice deliverance. So if someone's not actually practicing and doing deliverance, and I'm not talking about just a four-minute prayer where the person falls over and then we go to the next person, or a two-minute prayer where we knock the person over, push them down, and then we go to the next person. That is not true deliverance. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about they don't actually see the person through follow up with the person. Even if I pray for you at our church deliverance, I will still have you follow up with our church. I will still have you follow up with somebody. I will still have you get a one-on-one. -on -one. I'm not ignorant. When I pray for people, I say, hey, I would still recommend spending one-on-one -on -one time with, with a deliverance minister or a Christian that can do deliverance. So some of you are watching people that don't do deliverance, okay? You're learning from them and you're learning bad methods. You're learning bad strategies and you're getting unbelief. 
So don't adapt method. Don't basically take methods from people who don't have the fruit of deliverance in their ministry. You're not actually seeing deliverance happen. They don't practice it. On Saturday, we are going to be doing mass deliverance. We have 8,000 people plus registered for free. And we'd open the doors at 7 a.m. The service starts at 9 a.m. And it's likely we're going to go probably till 9 p.m. So we're going to be doing 10 to 12 hours of deliverance, preaching about it, praying for people at the altar, praying with people. We're practicing it. We're literally casting out demons. So don't stick to one method. Some people don't let the demons talk and that's fine. But here's the thing that doesn't always work. It's like, well, I don't talk to demons. I just command them to go and they instantly come out. Okay. That's great. But that doesn't always work. That works sometimes, but that doesn't always work. And so they'll tell you like, well, I don't talk to them. Well, Jesus talked to demons. At the man at the tombs, Jesus said, come out of the man. The demon didn't come out of the man. And then Jesus said, what is your name? And Jesus had a conversation, or should I say better, a confrontation with the demon. There's nothing wrong with talking to the demons if it's about getting the demon out. Some people say, don't let the demon manifest. And that sounds cute. That sounds great. Don't let the person manifest the demon. Number one, how can you control if the demon manifests? Number two, that's not biblical. Go to Mark 1. Jesus is preaching in a synagogue. I'm giving you Bible here. And a man starts speaking out, crying out, screaming. A demon starts speaking out of him saying, what do you want from us? So you're going to tell me not to let the demon manifest when Jesus let the demon manifest? Jesus let the demon speak out. Now, Jesus told the demon to be quiet because Jesus didn't want the demon to reveal his identity before he revealed it because the demon said, we know you're the son of God. That is why he told the demon to be quiet, but you're not going to find him later on telling demons to be quiet. So Acts chapter eight says the people were screaming as demons left them. The de people were manifesting. So people say, well, we don't let demons manifest here. Well, that's great. It's likely you're not getting demons out. Some people say, here's another false one. Make sure the deliverance stays calm. Like we just do calm deliverances. And my thing is like, how's that working for you? I want to see that. Show me on video, please teach me how to just only do calm deliverances. Some deliverances are calm, but other times when casting out demons, you need four or five people to hold the person down. I've done deliverance on one guy who was in the UFC. We had like five guys holding him down. I've done deliverances on people that didn't manifest at all and they weren't, you know, violent at all. So we can't just say, I always let it be, it's always calm when I do it. Well, when you start doing more deliverance and actually doing it, not just talking about it and not just pretending you do when, with your two minute prayers at the altar, you're going to see if somebody has a spirit of rage or anger, the deliverance gets crazy sometimes. And I don't get to say like, calm down and make it calm. This is part of the demon manifesting and getting the demon out. The demon was even violent, spoiler alert, in the Bible. The demon was making the boy thrash. He was foaming at the mouth. The people he was shaking fell over and they thought he was dead. So even in the Bible, demons manifested in a violent way. The man at the tombs was breaking chains. They were putting chains around him. And because of the strength the demons gave him, he was breaking the chains. Have you ever been frightened during your deliverance? Yes, I have been, but I didn't show the demon I was frightened. But yes, I was doing a deliverance one time and a lady was backwards arched on all fours with her head spun around, literally like a, a movie. You wouldn't believe it unless you were there. And it was chilling. I had chills all over my body and I was frightened, but I didn't let the demon know I was frightened. I didn't let the demon know. And we sat there for six hours with this lady and casted all these demons out of her. 
It was one of the craziest things ever. But my point is, we don't let the demons know. We don't let the demon know. The movie in Manteca is at 7 o'clock. So, again, these methods are from people who don't have any business teaching on deliverance. Just because someone has a large following or a name doesn't mean they know what they're talking about. Just because someone says they cast their demons doesn't mean they do. So mistake number one is be flexible in your methods. Don't just be stuck with seven steps. Don't just be stuck with this method. Okay, number two, mistake you make, deliverance ministries make. Trying to deliver someone who is not ready or not willing. I see this all the time. I have a friend or a family member that I want to get delivered and I bring them for deliverance. But guess what? They don't want to be delivered. Now, let me ask you something in the chat. I want you to type in the chat, can you force somebody to be saved? Type yes or no in the chat if you can force someone to be saved. I hope most of you are going to type, no, you can't force it. Okay, you also can't force someone to be delivered. I know you want your family delivered. I know you want your friends delivered. I know we want people delivered that we love and care about. This is something you can't force on people. The demons are going to recognize free will. So if the person doesn't want to be set free, the demons are going to recognize that. And the demons will often tell you, the person wants me here. I was doing deliverance one time, hours, hours with this lady. And the demon wouldn't leave. And the demon kept saying, she wants me. She wants me. And I was responding to the demon, she doesn't want you. She's a daughter of God. The blood is against you. And after like two hours, I said, look, okay, something's wrong here. We've been praying for her. We've been worshiping. We've been trying everything. We've been going back and forth with this demon. And the demon's saying, it doesn't want it. So I, I called the lady back. I said, hey, I don't, I don't want to talk to the demon. I want to talk this, to this lady. She came back and I said, hey, is this true? These demons keep saying that you want them. And she's break, she breaks down crying and she says, Isaiah, I've had these for so long. They're part of my personality and I don't know what I'll do without them. Like, how will I be? I'm so used to having all of these different spirits, spirit of perfection and spirit of anxiety and spirit of this and all these spirits she had. And without them, I don't, I feel like, I feel like a shell of who I was. I, I just won't feel normal. I've been living with them. She had an unhealthy, I know you don't believe this, but this is the reality. She had an unhealthy attachment to these demonic, unclean spirits. They've been there for her whole life and she was in her forties. So I had to tell her, these are evil. You don't want them. Some people want them. Like, how could that be? I'll tell you how it could be. Every one of you, and this, I might, you might be the person. Every one of you knows someone that is in a toxic, abusive, unhealthy relationship. And they break up. And then all the family says, don't get back with that guy. He's a loser. He abuses you. He uses you. He's no good. Doesn't have a job. Always yelling at you. Physically abused. A list. I can name 20 things of why you shouldn't be with this guy. And she's like, I know you're right. This guy's a loser. This guy's abusive. I can't stand this guy. I, I don't even know how I was with him. And then what happens? Two weeks later, she's back with that same guy. How is that possible? That you're in love with the person that abuses you? It's called Stockholm Syndrome. And it's a real issue people have. And I know this is crazy, but this happens with deliverance. These demons abuse people, use people, and then somehow the person still, still wants them. Still, still is okay with them being there. Some people don't realize it, but they do. So remember, God recognizes free will. Demons recognize free will. So if the person isn't willing to be delivered, the demon doesn't have to leave. This is why, and I'm going to be careful how I say this, you will see people doing deliverance on the streets. A random person will walk up to them 
and they will just start. Why are you on so early? Because we have the Domino Revival tonight in theaters. I know a lot of people are going to miss this, but they can watch it tonight. People will be on the street doing deliverance on random people, and I'm not trying to bash anybody, and the person on the ground's manifesting, but the demon's not leaving. So just because someone's manifesting a demon doesn't mean the demon's leaving. And the demon's not leaving, number one, because the person doesn't even want it to leave. Number two, the person's not a Christian. They don't want to serve God. Number three, the demon doesn't have to leave. The person gave them a right to be there. Remember, every demon in someone, in you or in someone else, is there for a reason. It's there because someone opened the door. Bible says in Proverbs, a curse can't land without a cause. If you don't give a demon somewhere to land, it can't enter you. It can't live in you. So you open the door. That's how demons come in. If you don't want the demon to leave or the demon has a legal right to be there, the demon doesn't have to leave. So we can't force people to be delivered. If someone's not willing or ready, there's no use in forcing them. Demons will weave themselves into personalities, weave themselves into people's minds, weave themselves so deep that people build a bond with them. The Bible says in Matthew 12 that they call us their home. And when a demon's been there a long time, it has the house decorated, it's gotten used to it. The demon's voice sounds like the person's voice. The person truly gets sad when a demon leaves them. And some demons will even convince the person that they're not bad. For example, the lady I was telling you about where we did deliverance on her for two hours and the demon wasn't leaving and she wanted the demons. One of the demons she had was the spirit of perfection. Her whole life, everything had to be perfect. Straight A's, straight this, straight that. Perfect house, perfect car, perfect husband. She had to be perfect. She had to dress perfect, do her make it perfect. She was literally super successful. Everything had to be perfect. And the demon of perfection told her, even though it was ruining her life because she was exhausted that everything had to be perfect, the demon told her, I'm a nice demon. I'm a nice demon. I'm helping you to be perfect. So she thought the demon was helping her. So that was a whole 30 minutes of telling her, no, the demon hates you. It's trying to destroy your life by setting an unhealthy expectation for perfection. So the demon convinced her that it was a good demon and no demons are good demons. They might, a spirit of perfection might sound like a good thing, but it's not, it was destroying her life. And so we had to teach her, these are fallen angels. These are unclean spirits. Don't let them stay. And again, I'm teaching advanced today. Some of this stuff you're like, wow, what is this? This is advanced spiritual warfare training. Last week we did basic. This is more advanced as we go. Who knows what next week will hold? We might even teach on something different. Who knows? But this is advanced. So don't let those demons stay. Sometimes people feel it's tra uh, the demons come in through a tragic time. The demon gives them a false sense of security or a false sense of hope because the demon comforted them during a tragic time. And they're attached to that demon. Once again, now, I dealt with a lady, and I kid you not, she started manifesting, and the demon said his name was the Wizard of Oz. And I was like, the Wizard of Oz? What in the world? Well, she had gone through a traumatic experience, and she was obsessed with Wizard of Oz. She had her whole room decorated in it. And during a traumatic experience where she lived, she would ball up and say, there's no place like home, and close her eyes, and she would go rock back and forth saying, there's no place like home. It was a traumatic time in her life, and that demon came in and comforted her during that trauma and... She literally had that spirit, not realizing she's obsessed with the Wizard of Oz, but not realizing some a spirit came in, literally a spirit came in that was mimicking basically everything that was happening in that movie. It was super bizarre, super weird. I'm not here to argue her, say, where's that in the Bible? I was just like, well, I don't know. We're going to cast it out. I've never heard of a Wizard of Oz. That's crazy. And I want you guys to remember the names of demons are their personalities. The names of demons are their personalities. So it was impersonating 
that movie in her life, and it was it was a crutch for her. So again, you're going to encounter weird demons, weird names. My job here is not to tell people, that's not real, you're faking it. My job is to get the demon out of them. And crazy part was, she was on the leadership team at the church. The pastor knew her, and everybody in the church knew she was obsessed with Wizard of Oz. But then the Lord set her free and delivered her from that. And that's a whole nother story I can go into. But you have to realize, sometimes people don't want the demon to leave. So if the conditions of deliverance haven't been met, things like there's unforgiveness in them, there is... Uh, they haven't renounced their soul ties. There's occult objects they're hanging on to. There's no genuine desire to be delivered. If some of these conditions aren't met, the demons don't have to leave. So you need to make sure that unforgiveness is gone. You need to repent, renounce, get rid of those things. Bible says renounce all works of wickedness. You need to remove any occult objects and make sure they have a genuine desire. If somebody that I do deliverance on doesn't genuinely want to be delivered, I'm not going to spend my time doing the deliverance. In fact, if you don't want the deliverance as much as if you don't want to be delivered and I want it more than you, then I'm not going to do the deliverance on you. You have to want it more than I want it, okay? So if there's these things have not been met, then don't waste your time doing the deliverance. Number three, this is a massive one. This is a major one right here, is giving up early. Demons are professional at making you waste time to prolong the deliverance so you will give up. I've had times where I'm casting demons out of someone and we're doing a one-on-one -on -one session and it's like an hour in and they just won't stop talking. And I go, oh, wait a minute. This is a strategy. Like, you know, we only have two hours, let's say. I don't know how much time you have, but time isn't infinite. So you might have two hours. The demon's going to distract you. Sometimes the person doesn't even know why they're rambling. Sometimes you have to stop them in deliverance and say, hey, we got to focus. We want to get this done because we wanna make sure that you actually get free today so the demon will waste time and make you prolong the deliverance. And those of you that do deliverance in the chat are like, yes, amen, this is right, he's telling the truth. Because you know that demons will often try to prolong the deliverance. The demons end goal in deliverance, okay? They don't have power over you. Okay? They have no power and authority over you, so here's what they're gonna do. Their goal, write this down, is to withstand you, is to last longer than you is to discourage you to make you give up. I've told this story before. We were doing deliverance on a young lady years ago, and I brought some of my team members to this young lady's house. She had a bunch of health issues. This is many years ago, and I, I was outside the house. She was inside the house. We drove up. I had two or three people on my team. I said, all right, guys. I think it was like four or five o'clock. I said, guys, we have prayer tonight. We have ministry prayer tonight at seven o'clock. So guys, we need to make sure that we're done in an hour or two. We can't stay here all night because we have a prayer meeting and y'all in the chat know how these demons work. So we got to make sure, okay? We didn't say it in front of her. We didn't say it in front of her. We just told each other outside her house, we got to get done by seven o'clock or six o'clock, whatever time we had to leave. In the middle of the deliverance, 30 to 40 minutes in, the de one of the demons, many of them were leaving, but one of them wouldn't leave. And I asked the demon, why aren't you leaving? And the demon said, because you have to leave in 30 minutes. The demon told me that. The demon said, you have to leave at six o'clock and I'm going to withstand you. So the demon, she didn't even hear me. Somehow the demon knew from us talking outside, the demon knew that we had to leave at a certain time. So don't go into deliverance and say, hey guys, we have to wrap this up in an hour. Don't, don't do that. Don't let the demon know how much time you have because they will withstand you. And you guys know this. Some demons are just stubborn. It's just going to take 30 minutes. It's just going to take 40 minutes. I wish there was a secret strategy. Again, I'm talking from someone that's done 
hundreds, if not thousands of deliverances, one-on-one -on -one with people, and these demons are going to withstand you. So you don't, you don't want to give up early. Do not give up early. This is not coffee hour. We're not soaking ministry. We're not over here marinating in the glory. This is warfare ministry. This is warfare ministry. And one of the reasons why pastors don't want to do deliverance is because it's time-consuming. Remember, Jesus was pressed by the crowd. They're pressing him. They wanted his time, his energy. There's no room, chat. There's no room for lazy people in deliverance ministry. This is the same as natural war. It costs resources, time, effort. Spiritual warfare is hard. It costs time and energy. And a lot of people don't want to put the time in. So they'd rather talk bad about those who do. Let me say that again. A lot of people don't want to put the time in to cast out demons. So instead, they talk bad about people that are actually doing deliverance. Christians always want the easy way out, but you won't be effective in doing deliverance ministry if you're always looking for the fast way out. Let me give you a few practical things deliverance ministry takes. Number one, it takes time. It's very time consuming to be in deliverance ministry. Not only when doing one-on-one, -on -one, but it's time consuming because so many people need deliverance. The amount of people that need deliverance is endless. That's why we have a deliverance map and many of you on the map are backlogged with 30, 40 people waiting to get delivered. If you want to do deliverance, join our deliverance map and you'll be having calls on a daily basis. You'll be overwhelmed with the amount of people that need deliverance because a lot of these pastors out here are teaching against it. They're not talking about it. And it's literally something Jesus did everywhere. I don't understand how we've missed this. Jesus did this everywhere, yet you have 52 Sundays per year and you never talk about it. That's another topic I'm confused about. So it takes time. It takes time to do this. It's not instant. It's not right away. Sometimes it takes time. If you look at Acts 16, 18, it says Paul was grieved and told the spirit, come out in Jesus' name, and the demon came out within the hour. So it wasn't an instant deliverance. The demon came out within the hour or in that same hour we don't know, was it 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, an hour? Sometimes it takes multiple hours. So I want you to realize if we can spend hours watching TikTok, can't we spend hours helping people? If we can spend hours watching Netflix, can't we spend hours helping people get delivered? Someone said, I spent over five hours yesterday for one woman. Exactly, Jim. Exactly. And praise God, you're gaining treasures in heaven. God will reward you for that, brother. But it does take time. It does take hours. It takes time. It takes energy, an incredible amount of energy on behalf of the person doing it and the person receiving it. You know, sometimes I'm dead tired from doing deliverance and I still get up and have to preach, but it's a tiring thing. No doubt Saturday, we're going to be doing deliverance on 8,000 people, but I'll be doing deliverance on many people in the altar and I'm going to be extremely tired, but it's worth it. Look what Mark 631 says. Then because so many people were coming and going, they didn't even have a chance to eat. And he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So there was so many people coming and going, being healed, being delivered, that the disciples didn't even get to eat. They didn't even have a chance to eat. And you might not have a chance to eat in some of these deliverances. Don't give up early. It takes, so what does it take? Time, energy, patience. Patience. You're always going to have those EGR people. Those are extra grace required people that they take longer. They're harder to work with. They're a little bit slower to learn what they need to do. You have to keep teaching them, keep repeating yourself, keep encouraging them, keep meeting with them. There's a temptation to spend time with others who show more promise or more effort, but you need to be patient with people that are slow learners and need deliverance. So it takes time, it takes energy, it takes patience, and it takes lastly dedication. You need to be dedicated to the work of deliverance and the ministry. Otherwise, you won't succeed. This is not a side thing or a side thought. 
This is you setting the captives free, okay? Number four mistake. And we're taking a long time. This should have been two weeks, but hey, I already said I'm going to give you guys 10, so I, I can't go back on it. Number four is not utilizing spiritual weapons. These weapons are things like using the name of Jesus. You need to use the name of Jesus. I command you to come out in Jesus' name, not in my name, not in my authority. Let those unclean spirits know I cast you out in Jesus' name. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is authority in the name of Jesus. So you need to utilize the name of Jesus in deliverance. This is vital. I see people doing deliverance and they're not using the name of Jesus. But realize the demons don't respond to you. They respond to his name, his authority. So that's how you're coming in his name. You could also make eye contact. Demons hate when you make eye contact. Often I'll start deliverance with looking people right in the eye and say, I command every unclean spirit to come out in Jesus' name. You will not pass on your duties. You will go directly into the abyss and never return in Jesus' name. I'll look them right in the eye. And that demon will look right through that person's eye and boom, start manifesting. So I don't know why, but demons hate eye contact. You could also use anointing oil. It represents the anointing. Demons hate that as well. You can ask God to send angels to help you. Remember what Psalms 91.11 says, for he'll command his angels to guard you in your ways. Hebrews 1.14, are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve, to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? So angels are to serve, to serve us that inherit salvation. So ask the father to send his angels to help you. You need to utilize spiritual weapons. Psalms 103.20, praise the Lord, O his angels, the mighty ones who do his word, they obey the voice of his word. Exodus 23, 20, I'll send an angel to guard you and to bring you to the place I prepared. Acts 5, 19, during the night, the angel of the Lord appeared and opened the prison door. Hebrews 1, 7, oh, the angel says, he makes his angels winds and his ministers flames of fire. So the angels will help you. They will torment the demon. I've had times where I can't hold the person down and I say, Lord, send your angels to hold the person down. And the person immediately gets held to the ground by the angels. So God will send his angels. We don't command angels. We're not in control of the angels, but we can ask the father to send his angels and the angels will help you. Also make sure that you're using the armor of God. Every time I'm going to do deliverance, I'm going to put on and pray on the full armor of God according to Ephesians 6. Remember, we're not wrestling with flesh and blood. We're wrestling against spirits. And so I need to make sure that I'm fully wearing the armor of God so I can stand firm. So put on the full armor of God. You should memorize the armor of God. It's very, very important. Also, one of the weapons in Ephesians 6 that is overlooked is praying in the spirit always in every occasion. So we're constantly praying. Treat prayer like breathing. You don't have to remember to breathe, so you shouldn't have to remember to pray. We're going to talk about prayer tomorrow and pray with you guys. And we're going to pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit tomorrow night. If you haven't been baptized, you can get it tomorrow. But praying in the Spirit, praying always, is a powerful weapon in spiritual warfare. You also have the power to bind and loose. According to Matthew 16, 18, you've been given keys. What you bind on earth shall be bound in the heavenlies. Excuse me, what you loose on earth shall be loosed in the heavenlies. Here's another power that you can use in deliverance or a weapon. The power of agreement. Matthew 18, 19. I say that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything you ask, it'll be done by the Father in heaven. This is very powerful in deliverance, is coming together and agreeing on what you're saying. So if you have other people praying, sometimes if the demon's stubborn, you can all together say, you can all together say, I command you to come out in Jesus' name. I command you all together in agreement. I mean, there is power there in agreement. I don't understand fully all of these concepts and principles because they're spiritual, but when you do deliverance, you're going to see that there's power there. Okay, another spiritual weapon is praise. Look at what Psalms 8, chapter 8, verse 2 says. 
through the praise of children and infants, you've established a stronghold against your enemy and you silence the foe and the avenger. The foe and the avenger is obviously Satan and he gets silenced through praise. Acts 16, remember Paul and Silas are in prison. They begin to praise and the prison doors were open and they were released. So sometimes it's good if you're stuck in deliverance is to stop, put on some praise, put on some worship music, spend five or 10 minutes in praise, okay? Spend five or 10 minutes in praise and you'll see there's gonna be breakthrough there. Okay, lastly, one of your weapons you wanna utilize is the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Three gifts you're mainly gonna use in deliverance, spiritual gifts, is you're gonna be using word of knowledge, when the deliverance stalls out, you're gonna ask the Holy Spirit for a word of knowledge and he'll give you a word of knowledge. You're gonna use word of wisdom and making decisions and utilizing a battle strategy. And you're gonna use discerning of spirits to discern what spirits are there and how they're functioning. Sometimes I will go in deliverance and the Lord will tell me every spirit there and what their function is. And I'll know the number, the names, everything before we even start. And you can ask the Lord for that word of knowledge. You can ask the Lord for discerning of spirits and you'll be able to discern that. What verse was the Psalms? Psalms chapter eight, verse two. And then Acts 16 was when they praised and the prison doors opened. Okay, so not utilizing. Number five mistake in deliverance is lacking faith. Deliverance is not, let's try this and see what happens. You need to have the faith to believe that when you command something to leave, it has to leave. You need to have the faith to believe that the people you're doing deliverance on are gonna be delivered. You need to have faith to believe the same spirit that raised Christ is in you. So faith is what you need. It's incredibly important the person that's doing deliverance has faith and the person getting delivered has faith. Oftentimes demons will tell you, I'm too strong to be cast out, which is a lie. You'll not get delivered today, which is a lie. They don't have, you don't have what it takes, which is a lie. So you guys got to remember these demons are going to continue to tell you, you're not going to be able to cast me out. You're not going to, you're not powerful enough. You got to have the faith to believe that deliver that you can that they can be set free by the power of the Holy Spirit. And don't, don't deliver people that are like, I don't think this is going to work with their arms crossed. Brother, don't waste my time if that's, your, if that's the way you're thinking. If you're thinking, I don't think this is going to work or this might not work or this is stupid, I'm not going to waste my time doing deliverance on you. There's thousands of people that need to get delivered. And so why am I going to waste my time doing deliverance on you if you don't even have the faith to believe God to deliver you? Faith is important. Remember what Matthew 17, 16, I brought my son to your disciples and your disciples couldn't help him. Your disciples couldn't help him. And then Jesus is like, do you believe that you can, your son can be made well? And he says, Lord, if you can do it. And, and then the, Lord, the guy says, Lord, help my unbelief. Jesus says, what do you mean if I can? And the man says, Lord, help my unbelief. So we wanna make sure that we don't have unbelief because a lot of churches, we're giving them good programs, good light shows and good concerts, but we're failing to bring them the supernatural power of God to heal and deliver people. So many churches and Christians have a form of godliness, but deny the very power that can make them like God. So in the same way they were bringing people to disciples and then saying the disciples couldn't help them, we wanna make sure people aren't bringing people to us and we're like the disciples, not able to help them. Because remember, what did Jesus do? He rebuked them for their unbelief. He rebuked them from their unbelief. Here's the father's response in Mark 9, 22, when he brought his demonized boy to the disciples and the disciples couldn't heal them. He says, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. So this is his response to Jesus. If you can do anything, if you can do anything, have compassion, help us. Jesus responds, what do you mean if I can? Anything is possible if a person believes. So the man's if was a sign of unbelief. 
So don't go like if, God, if you want to deliver them or if they get healed or yeah, you could pray for me. You know, if God can deliver me, if no, we're not doing ifs. We're not ifs. Get rid of the if today. If it's God's will for me to be healed, it is God's will. If it's God's will for me to be married, if it's God's will for me to cast, if it's God's will for me to prosper, if it's God's will for me to be delivered, get rid of the if, stop saying if, and start saying, I believe God wants to heal me. I believe God wants to prosper me. I believe God wants me to be married. I believe God wants me to be blessed. I'm not talking about some prosperity gospel. I'm talking about, I know God has a desire to set me free because he took on my pain. He took on my sin. He took 39 lashes according to Isaiah so I can be healed. What do you mean if? It's by his stripes we're healed. We have no power. We have no authority. Get rid of the ifs and start saying, I believe God wants to deliver me. I believe God wants to heal me. If. The man's response to Jesus in Mark 9.24 is this. The father of the child cried out with tears and said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. That should be your prayer. If you have unbelief, just type in the chat. Lord, help my unbelief. I want you to type that right now in the chat. I just typed it. I pray this all the time. Lord, help my unbelief. I'm not believing you the way I should. The guy recognized his unbelief and then asked the Lord to help it. So faith will bring forth deliverance. And how do you know that? Because Matthew 15, 28. The Syrophoenician woman came to Jesus asking for her daughter to be delivered. Jesus said, no, this isn't for you. And the woman's faith, Jesus said, because of your faith, your daughter has been made well this very hour. So we need to have the faith to believe. Now, what gives me the faith? What gives me the faith to believe for this? Here's what gives me faith. Luke 9 verse 1. Then he called them and gave them power over demons and unclean spirits. So we have the power. We have the authority. So I have the faith because I've been given the power and the authority. If you have the faith, then you'll have the power and the authority. If you don't have faith, don't expect the power and the authority God has given you. So don't lack faith. Okay, number six. I don't wanna make this a three hour video. Number six, mistake is using extra biblical methods. Now, let me be clear. There are methods that God will have you use that are not in scripture because we know at the end of John, not everything's in scripture. Anyone that says, well, where's out in the Bible for everything? Not everything's in scripture, and the Bible says that. You can read the entire New Testament in you know, 13 hours sitting down. So if you're looking for every single exhaustive answer to every single question for all of life, you're not gonna find that in the New Testament. You're gonna find a guidebook and morals and values and doctrine and the Holy Spirit leading you and guiding you, but you're not gonna find every single answer to every single problem because the New Testament is not exhaustive. What I mean by extra biblical methods is this. Let me give you some examples of extra biblical methods. You ready? Number one, telling people that giving money is attached to their deliverance. That's extra biblical. Telling people, okay, let me, let me, let me think about the way I want to word this. To tell somebody that's manifesting a demon, you need to give $1,000, $500, $200. Let me say it the way I want to say it because I'm trying to be nice and be politically correct. Who am I kidding? I could say whatever I want to say. Is telling somebody that they have to give $500, $1,000, dollars to be set free is demonic, is ungodly, is deceptive, is disgusting, is wrong, 
It, how, how many, what other words can I use? It is wrong to tell somebody you need to give $500 to get delivered or to get free from this demon. All bad, all bad. Red flags, red flags, red flags, red flares shooting off. It's all bad. So if you tell somebody, especially while they're manifesting, and I've seen this happen before, there's some videos on the internet, let's just say that, where somebody's manifesting and the person told the person, you know, you have to give this much money or your daughter won't be delivered or your son won't be delivered. You need to sew. Do you have cash app? Do you have Venmo? You need to sew $100. God does not paywall deliverance. This is not pay to play. There's, this is not like a DLC, DLC, you know, extra content we're downloading. This is not extra. No, 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 no. You don't need to pay. Now, I, I'm not talking about, hey, uh, I do deliverance full time and I charge $100, for, you know, for three hours. That's not what I'm talking about. That is not what I'm talking about. That's a whole nother topic I won't talk about. I am talking about telling people, because I have to be very clear, I'm not talking about charging for deliverance. I'm not talking about charging for a ministry to do deliverance on you. I am talking about telling people, if you don't give X amount of dollars, the demon won't leave you. That's different, okay? So charging is over here where you say, hey, I do this full time. I have rent to pay and I charge $200 for three hours or $100 for three hours. That's charging for deliverance. That is not what I'm talking about. I already have a video on that. I won't discuss that. I don't charge for deliverance. I don't charge a penny. I never have. I never will. That's different. This over here is what I'm talking about where you say, oh yeah, this demon won't leave you unless you pay. That's wrong. That's wrong. Don't do that. That's a joke. Uh, I would never tell someone that. Okay. So that's extra biblical. There's nowhere in scripture where someone was commanded to give money so their demon would come out. There's nowhere in scripture where someone's demons were attached to money. There's nowhere in scripture where someone had to get paid for a demon to come out and if they didn't pay, the demon wouldn't leave. That's just wrong and deceptive. Extra, another extra biblical method is turning deliverance into a show. Remember, deliverance is not a show. It's a miracle. People are not for views and likes. These are God's precious people. We're not doing deliverance for views and likes. And some of you might realize, and I'm not throwing shade here at people, and I'm not calling anybody out here. I'm just giving you my own personal conviction, is I'm not posting deliverance videos. Well, I haven't been. Okay, They're old, the ones you've seen. And if I do post them, any of them going forward, the faces are going to be blurred. And that's my own personal. I don't think it's wrong to not do that. I'm just telling you personally. Because I don't want to get in a place where deliverance is for me about views and likes and making it more you know more dramatic than it needs to be i just personally i'm not into that i'm not into turning deliverance into a show i am personally this is just me don't go tell all my friends always oh, i said you're a heretic no i'm not i'm not into the one man on a stage bring all the people up and the person takes turns one man show type thing i'm just personally not into it we have a prayer team we have a church we have leaders we'll go ahead and enlist them Okay, so I'm not personally into the whole one person on a stage putting on a show for hours. I think it enables superstar mentality and I don't want to be a superstar. I don't want to be a celebrity. I'm a son of God. Actually, I'm a slave of God and then I'm a son of the Lord Jesus Christ. So slave of God and of the Lord Je and son as, uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't want it to be a show. I'm just his slave. I'm his servant. I'm the master servant. If I get a little bit iffy, I would rather just go into the crowd and pray for people and keep it a little bit private or um, I would rather, you know, Meet with them one-on-one. -on -one. Now, if there's cameras and we're at the altar praying and someone has a, we're on live stream, it is what it is. 
I'm talking about for posting on my channel, my content. If I'm at a church this weekend and I'm praying for people and the whole stream is live 10 hours and we're praying at the altar and they have cameras, it is what it is. Okay. There's cameras everywhere. We're in a live stream setting. We're at a church. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about turning into a show and making it something that I just don't think it should be. And that's my personal opinion. And I could be wrong. And that could be maybe, maybe God is saying just for me not to do that, but maybe it's okay for others, I guess. Okay. Just, I'm telling you personally, let me tell you another big mistake. That's extra biblical. Making the person do embarrassing things and not being able to distinguish the person from the demon. Like mocking the demon. If you see deliverance ministers mocking the demon, this is wrong. Jude verse 9 says, Even the archangel Michael, when disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not dare to condemn him or slander him, but said, The Lord rebuke you. So slandering people, mocking people, And this is just me. This is my ministry I'm talking about. Again, people can do whatever they want. I'm talking about my ministry. I think it's wrong to laugh at people, to mock people, to tell people, get on your knees, submit to me. Guys, to me, that's just demonic. To me, that's just demonic. That's just wrong to me. I don't, it just feels bad. It feels grieving. It feels gross inside. And if you ever try to do deliverance on one of my daughters and said, get on your knees, bow down, submit to God or anything weird like that, Let's just say it wouldn't be pretty. Let's just say that, okay? So this is one reason why I have separated from certain people because I'm not going to do ministry with people that I wouldn't allow pray for my daughter. And there's some people out there I was ministering with in the past that I would never let pray for my kids. And I had the revelation, why would I minister with these people, call them colleagues of mine, but not even let them pray for my daughter, yet I'm letting them pray for all of my community and all the people that I've given my life to. I've spent 400 hours a year streaming to you guys And now, okay, so I don't want to go down that path. This is why there's certain people that I just won't connect with. I I think it's wrong to mock demons, to mock people, and to belittle belittle people. Okay? Another thing I think is wrong is when you make renouncing and all these things ritualistic. Like, you have to do this, and that's how the demon leaves. No, the demon leaves because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I cast the demons by the Spirit of God. So it's the Spirit of God getting the demons out, not making them renounce a list of 90 things. I teach renouncing. You should renounce things. But the power to get them delivered is not in the renouncing. It's in the spirit of Almighty God in Jesus' name. So we don't want to make deliverance ritualistic. We don't want to do extra biblical things. Which leads me to point number seven. Point number seven, mistake deliverance ministries make. We're almost done here. The last few are very fast. Having impure motives. Having impure motives. You need to make sure your motives are pure. I'm driven always. I have to always be driven. By love and compassion, not fame, not likes, not followers, not to post a testimony, not to gain information on the person to blackmail them. I've seen it all. My motives are pure. I'm doing this because I want to see them set free because I love them the way Christ loves them. I'm not doing it for financial gain. I make, actually, I don't even make $0 on deliverance. I make negative money on deliverance because I pay several thousand dollars a month for someone to run our deliverance map every day, they update the map, they add people and take people off and several thousand dollars a month to host our website to do deliverance. I make negative money doing deliverance. It's not a money motivator. There's no financial gain. Guys, most people that hate me, hate me because I do deliverance. Most of the exposed videos of so-called discernment ministries on YouTube, all of their stuff is about me doing deliverance. I wouldn't have any exposed videos if it wasn't for my deliverance content. So for me, in a natural sense, deliverance is a net negative, in a natural sense. 
in a spiritual sense, it's a net positive because it's what God's told me to do. And there's nothing like seeing people get set free. And I'll stand before God saying, Jesus, I did what you did. I did what the disciples did. I'm ready to stand before God on this issue of deliverance. But I know tons of people hate me. I know tons of pastors won't engage with me. I know tons of pastors tell their church, don't listen to him. He casts out demons. He's weird, blah, blah. I, I don't care. I don't care. I don't live for the opinions of man. I could care less what anyone thinks about me. If I cared what people thought about me, I wouldn't be a Christian. I wouldn't be on live. I wouldn't be preaching. I've 13 years been faithful to God and can care less what anyone thought about me. I was 13 years ago an atheist. And your pastor wasn't the one that anointed me. Your pastor wasn't the one that pulled me out of addiction. Your pastor wasn't the one that pulled me out of atheism, pulled me out of depression, pulled me out of anxiety and lust and shame and guilt and condemnation and racism. I mean, I had every demon there is in the book. So your pastor that's talking bad about me, he wasn't there when God delivered me. I can care less. Like literally when I say I could care less, there's not any less than I can care. I care about what God thinks. He's going to be the one on judgment day, not your congregation, not your denomination, not your favorite Heresy Hunter YouTube channel that gets 90 views and four likes per video. They're not going to be there on Judgment Day. It's going to be God with me right there. I'm going to be responsible to him. So that's why I'm just going to keep doing what I called to do. Do deliverance, cast out demons, preach the gospel. Who cares? They can keep talking and I'll keep casting out demons. They can keep cheering me on from the stands. They can keep, as I say, the loudest booze come from the cheapest seats. So we need to make sure that we're having the right motives, love and compassion. Write that down, love and compassion. Number eight. Oops. My slides are messed up here. Hold on. I forgot to fix it. Okay. Number eight is talking to the demon too much. Don't talk to the demon too long and don't talk to the demon too much and don't rely too much on the information they give you because they will start directing the deliverance. Write this down. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to direct the deliverance, not demons. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to direct the deliverance, not demons. Because demons will start talking and hijack the deliverance. Okay, no, we're not doing that. We're not going two hours down a rabbit hole talking to demons, getting interesting information. We are battling them. We're not conversating. We're con con confronting. Is that the right word? It's not conversation. It's confrontation. So I'm only going to get the information I need on why it's not leaving, and that's it. That's the only thing. Now, remember, when Jesus commanded the demon to leave, the demon didn't leave in the book of Mark. And then Jesus said, what is your name? So the only time I'm going to talk to a demon is when I'm asking its name. In my early days, I made the mistake of talking too long because it was interesting what they had to say. I don't make that mistake anymore. That was in my infancy and immaturity. Do not prolong the conversation because it's insensitive to the person being delivered. So Isaiah, how long should I talk? I'll tell you how long I talk. Only when I'm stuck or need information. And, I ha and that happens to me often. But remember, we're interrogating, not conversating. We're confronting, not conversating. If you, this is how you know you've talked too long. Are you ready? When you start asking the demons things that are unrelated to the deliverance, you've gone too long. If you start getting information on other people and other things, You've gone too long, okay? And I'll be the first one to say, demons have a lot of interesting stuff to say because they've been here since the beginning of time. Actually, before the man mankind begun, the demons were there. They were cast out of heaven somewhere before Genesis 1. We don't know when. So they have a lot to say. They've seen rulers and kings and queens and princes fall, come and go. Um, they do have a lot of interesting stuff to say, but we're not going to get, we're not taking our information from them. Is so don't go down the rabbit hole of, well, what about this? And why are you in here? And are you in that person? Because they'll start talking and divulging tons of information. That makes us just like mediums. And we don't want to be mediums during deliverance. So 
get the information you need, and move on. Now, what would be some of the helpful things that demons might tell us in deliverance? Uh, they can say things like other demons that are hiding, the number of demons that are there, why they came and why they won't leave, if there's a curse there they're hanging on to or an object or how long they've been in the person or maybe their name will tell you their function and help you understand their strategy. Those are helpful things. But the other things, don't go on and on and on. Spend more time talking to the Holy Spirit, commanding the demons to leave than you are talking to the demon. Now, a lot of you might say, well, the demons don't talk to them because they lie. Well, actually, there's nowhere in the Bible where a demon lied. Demons do lie. They do lie. But don't stand on that too much because demons often don't lie. They're just deceitful. And lies and deceit are two different things. Again, in the whole New Testament, we don't ever find a demon lying. Deceit is a broader concept than lying. And demons use deceit because they know they can't outsmart you or overpower you. So they'll try to deceive, deceive you. And deceit is the deliberate attempt to mislead you. So they're trying to get you to be misled. They're trying to get you off on another path. And they're trying to distract you and make you take too much time. So that's what you need to realize. Okay. Number nine, we're almost done, we're almost done, and I'll, I'll put chapters. Let me know in the chat, do you guys want me to put chapters after this video so you guys can refer? It only takes me five minutes, and I'll do that on YouTube, and you could refer to all 10 points and save them and all that stuff, okay? Number nine mistake deliverance ministries make is lacking spiritual discipline. Again, this is not for the lazy. You need to have a prayer life. You need to be walking a lifestyle of holiness. You need to be walking a lifestyle of fasting. Remember in Mark 9, 29, they said, Jesus, why couldn't we cast out that demon? that type of spirit. And Jesus said, this type only comes out by prayer and fasting. I've done a whole sermon on that, but the basic thing is this. You need to live a lifestyle consecrated and holy unto God. Do not try to come out here messing around, you know, not having relationship. And we know in Acts 19, the sons of Sceva, the demon spoke out and said, Peter, I know, Paul, I know, but who are you? The demons didn't know these people. They were casting out demons in the name of whom Paul preaches about. They didn't actually have relationship. <laughs> Jason said, actually, can you start over? <laughs> you can rewind it, brother. They didn't have a relationship, so you need to have a relationship. James 5.16 says the, power of a right, the prayer of a righteous person has power. Matthew 6.6, 6, Jesus tells us God is in the secret place. Philippians 4.6 says don't be anxious, but instead pray about everything. So there's power in prayer. A thousand issues would be solved in your life if you had a prayer life. A thousand issues would be solved in your life if you had a prayer life. And tomorrow, we're going to be talking about having a prayer life, talking about prayer, and then we're actually going to be spending, you know, 20 or 30 minutes praying with you tomorrow. So tomorrow is prayer night at 6 o'clock. Don't miss that little plug there. All right, last mistake. Are you guys ready? You didn't think I'd be saying it? Let all the heresy hunters know. All of you undercover agents for the heresy hunters that send them back information. All you heresy hunters in the chat that are here for fresh content because you, you're out of content. You have nothing original. So you want to come here, use my videos to talk bad about me. I want you to make sure you put this in your next video about me. This is a mistake. Thinking everything is a demon is a mistake. Let me say this loud and clear. You guys ready? Not everything is a demon. Let me say it again. None of us guys who do deliverance think that everything is a demon. Not everything is a demon. So go run back, crawl back to them. All the trolls crawl back into your caves. Let your leader who's hiding out in the basement, let them know we don't believe everything is a demon. In fact, one of the errors we make is saying everything is a demon. So we get a lot of people that are just, I need another deliverance. We don't want to make people addicted to deliverance. We want people to be addicted to God. We want people to be addicted to Jesus, not deliverance. So we don't want to be addicted to deliverance. Deliverance is not the answer for everything. 
Not everything is a demon. So we don't want to run around being like, oh, that's a demon. Oh, that's a demon. I'm going to get a demon if I drink Starbucks. I'm going to get a demon if I drink Hint Water. I'm going to get a demon if I go to Target. I'm going to go to get a demon if I go to Walmart. I'm going to get a demon if I drive a car that's not made in America. I'm going to get it. No, that's not the way to live our life. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. We have ar- the armor of God. You do not get a demon just from going anywhere and doing anything. You have to give them an open door. Okay. So not everything is a demon. We don't think that. We don't want to be addicted to deliverance. Deliverance does not, type this in the chat or on your notepad. Deliverance does not replace discipline. Deliverance does not replace discipline. Deliverance is not a substitute for having a life of prayer and fasting. Deliverance is a part of the whole picture, but it's not the whole picture. So deliverance is amazing. I just taught on it for an hour and 20 minutes and I taught last week on it for an hour and a half and I have 67, 70 hours on my channel under the deliverance training playlist. But we don't think everything is a demon, not everything is a demon and we wanna make sure that we're not like afraid of everything. Everything's gonna give me a demon. Everything's gonna be, we're more conscious of the power of Christ than we are the power of demons. We're more aware of our authority in Christ than we are the authority of demons. We're not walking around just everything we do is a demon and we're going to get a demon if we, you know, step on this and a demon if we go here and a demon if we talk to them and we're not, we're not living like that. We're going into darkness as the light and we're driving the devil out and not everything is a demon, okay? All right. Those are the 10 mistakes deliverance ministers make. Let us now pray. Father, I just pray right now, Lord, that you would touch every single person in this broadcast I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would anoint every person, that you would give them that same power and that same authority you gave the disciples, Lord, you'd confer it upon us. Father, I pray that we would not idolize deliverance. I pray that we would not worship deliverance, God, but we worship the deliverer. Father, we thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. We thank you, Jesus, that you gave us this power, that you are the one that does the deliverance. We thank you, Jesus, that you said by the finger of God, you cast out demons. So, Father, we pray that you would touch every single person listening every single person watching. And I'm telling you right now, if you're in the chat, you are being enlisted today. You are being enlisted in the army of God right now. God has called you, God has drafted you, and God has enlisted you into his army. This is your moment. Go cast out demons. Go set the captives free. Have a prayer night at your house. Pray deliverance over your kids. Pray deliverance over your cousins, your aunts, your uncles, your in-laws. This is the time. Do deliverance. Do deliverance. It's the children's bread. Do deliverance. Father, right now, anoint them, God. Deliver them, Father. Pour out your spirit upon them. We pray breakthrough, freedom, fire to touch them in Jesus' name. And tomorrow night, guys, we will be praying also for deliverance, for healing, for baptism of the Holy Spirit. We're having a prayer meeting again tomorrow night. So we're going to be praying longer. But I just pray that you'd be armed and dangerous. Lord, help us not to make these mistakes. And guys, let me be the first to say I've made probably all of these mistakes. I I literally have. I've probably made all 10 before. And so that's why I'm sharing with you guys. I've made the mistakes. Don't make the mistakes. Don't make the mistakes, okay? Lord, I pray right now we would not make these same mistakes. That we would walk according to your will. We'd walk in holiness and integrity. We'd be led by love and compassion. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You guys are armed and dangerous. If you guys are blessed by this, I know I'm live at noon. Listen, there's 1,400 of you. Praise the Lord. Okay, I'm live at noon, and usually I'm live at 6, so it's super weird. Everyone's at work. I get it. I praise God that there's 1,400 of you. I thank God for all of you. If you want to give and you want to sow into this ministry, please give. The links are there. I haven't taught on deliverance like this 
of course I did last week, but apart from the last few weeks, in probably two to three years, I was looking back at some of my notes where I taught a similar teaching. It was in 2021. So it's been a few years since I've done deep dive into deliverance. And I'm thinking about taking some of these older teachings, revamping them and reteaching them to some of the new audience we have here. Cause it's been years and I want to make sure that we're armed and trained and ready for what's coming. I do believe a storm is coming and we need to be ready. So I will be answering your guys' questions and all that good stuff. Tomorrow, me and Jared will be live together. We're going to be first probably 30, 45 minutes, an hour talking about prayer and praying. And then, of course, we'll have fun for 20, 30 minutes. We'll laugh. We'll tell stories. We'll make we'll try to make Nico laugh in the background. So tomorrow is going to be a fun time in the studio. You don't want to miss that. And I do need to I do need to bring more people in the studio. Sadly, I just hardly use the studio. It is kind of sad, but uh, I need to bring more people in and just fly people out. It's just a lot of work when I can just do Zoom calls. It's like, ugh, it's a lot of work to fly people in and everything like that and do in-person broadcasts. And they do like, most of them do the same amount of views as the, the Zoom calls. So sometimes it's hard to justify, but it's going to be a good time. So go ahead and give guys the link to give is in the comments down below. We're viewer supported, meaning we don't charge for any of our content. We've been four years just being supported by... Basically, you guys, you know, God's been providing using people. So if you're listening on audio, you can give on IsaiahSaldivar.com slash partner. You can also give in these links right here. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. If you like what you heard, go to www.IsaiahSaldivar.com for more content. And please follow me on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Isaiah Saldivar. See you next week.